Hey everybody, this is Fede Alvarez, wishing all the listeners of the Perfect Organist podcast a happy Alien Day. When they first heard about this thing, it was crew expendable. The next time they sent in Marines, they were expendable too. What makes you think they're going to care about a bunch of lifers who found God at the ass end of space? You really think they're going to let you interfere with their plans for this thing? They think we're... we're crud. And they don't give a fuck about one friend of yours that's... that's died. Not one. I ain't much for begging. Nobody ever gave me nothing. So I say, fuck that thing. Let's fight it. Fuck it. Let's go for it. You're listening to Perfect Organism, the Alien Saga podcast. Welcome to Perfect Organism, the Alien Saga podcast. I'm your host, Jamie Prater, and I'm joined by my co-host. Patrick Green. Andy Yee Girl. Christian Motzka, Perry Chicos, Maj, and Xander. Welcome to the show, everyone. Hi. And Hello. happy Alien Day, by the way, because oh, yeah. if you are listening to this, it is we're recording this, let it let the record show 20 days in advance of Alien Day, because we're trying to front load as much as we can. But to those of you hearing this tonight, you are in the throes of another fantastic Alien Day. This is probably the fourth thing that has come out. Hopefully, you're still listening. And, uh, and and we hope you're enjoying it as much as we know you're going to be here, sitting here 20 days in the past. <laughs> and we're here celebrating the 30th anniversary of Alien 3, which is kind of the theme of Alien Day for us this year. It, you can find that theme in Alien Abandoned, which is our audio drama, which we released today, but not really today, three weeks from now. Thank God. Um, <laughs> but uh, I'm excited to be here, and we just wanted to kind of throw a round table to begin the conversation on Alien 3. And for a lot of people, that's a difficult conversation to have. So before we even start talking about the movie and what's going on in the movie, I want to hear from everyone in terms of like, how do you feel about talking about this movie? It's a movie that you know, Patrick and I love, all of us love it in our own way. There's a complicated relationship with this film. For many of us, including myself, it's not this fun thing to do to sit down and watch Alien 3. So I would love to hear from you guys. What are your thoughts about that? I have to say I'm I'm really looking forward to this because I just have so many thoughts about it. Um, whereas talking about the other two or, you know, Alien and Aliens, there's just a pure love that there's... While I while I love while I've grown to love Alien Three, it's definitely the most complicated for me. So I'm really looking forward to sort of making sense of my own thoughts. Which rest assured or warning you, I waver on this film every time I see it. I'm like Jekyll and Hyde with this film every time. So I'm looking forward to it. I do worry a little bit about veering into the negative with the movie because even though. I do love it. The more granular we get, the more angry it actually makes me because of missed opportunities. So I'm going to try to check myself with that because high level, I do love it. But, oh man, <clears throat> so many choices that I don't like. 
Well, good. That'll make it for some interesting conversation. I oh, hate yeah. it when everyone agrees, you know? That's what I was going to say, Christian. If there's one thing we love, we love many things about you, but one of the things that we love about you is your attention to detail and your ability to get granular. So if you have stuff to complain about, you should lay it on us. Yo, Christian fucking it's hates aliens. Yo, Christian fucking hates these people. <laughs> <laughs> I will be joining him. And some of good, good. <laughs> that's that's going to make this so much more exciting for me. But you know the scene first episode opening scene of Moon Knight where the guy breaks the glass and then pours it into his shoes and then walks in those shoes. That's Alien 3 sometimes. That's <laughs> that's the granular I'm worried about is <laughs> the shards of glass. What a fantastic fucking show. Season episode two was Yeah, I'm watching that tonight. Well, yeah. If anybody has not watched it yet. Oh my God. It's okay. Yeah, very, yeah. Neither here nor there. I do have to say that uh, if, if watching and enjoying Alien 3 is like dumping shards of glass in my sandals and walking on them, oh man, I'd walk on some glass every day. <laughs> um, Good answer. Yeah, I uh, no, I, I love Alien 3 and I, yeah, I'm, I'm just thoroughly excited to talk about it. There, there's so many great things that this film uh, presents to us. And I feel like too, like even just growing up, like when I, had watched the film as a kid and then like trying to get my hands on my own copy of alien three and things like that. I felt like it was like this, like you didn't true. I felt like you truly didn't know the alien series or franchise unless you like knew alien three. And so like, I, I, I loved it for that. And uh, yeah, it's, it's just been a, a beautiful part of my love of the franchise um, although it is dark, right? I, I know there's a lot of darker the, uh, themes and moments in that film, but um, yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I'm excited to get into it too, mainly to just give the movie um, some more attention and praise and maybe criticism because it's such a, it's it's like an anti-blockbuster. It's this movie that just could never, ever happen now. And it weirdly speaks more, I think, more to us now. And that's why it's being reclaimed because it's such a movie of frustration and repeat, you know, like repeating uh, defeats, if you want to. Um, and yeah, I, I also love the movie. It was definitely an acquired taste for me. It was tough at first and it still chills me. It's still like tough, especially that opening. But um, but yeah, that's where I'm coming from. I I because I, I still see people who who don't like it and are upset that it happened, which is amazing, kind of. And um, I don't know. It's a very impressive film, and it's very just uh, it's so unique, and it and it's aged pretty well, I think. So I think so. That's why I'm excited to get into it. I think that's a fantastic point, Mash, and something that I hope we can talk about a little bit tonight is how its reputation has changed over time and how it sits with different people now versus where it sat with people 30 years ago i by the way am still messing up it's the 30th anniversary that's right this Patrick, movie, not the 25th right. the 25th is resurrection <laughs> this year um but it's been it's been 30 years and that's a long time for something to get its you know talons into people what's what's fascinating to me is that alien 3 outside of fandom conversations when it just comes up in mixed company it's almost always talked about as like a mistake or as something that was unpopular or something that was like a travesty or like it screwed the franchise. People who aren't really engaged in Alien in any kind of very serious way still look at it the way that David Fincher and James Cameron and everybody else who has distanced themselves from it 
look at the film. They look at it as this disappointment. What's fascinating though, is that in the meantime, a lot of fandom and not everybody, there's, I mean, there's still plenty of controversy about Alien 3 and, and fandom, but a lot of people have glommed onto a lot of the themes in it in a very deep way. And I know that for me, when it first came out, well, I, I mean, I, I saw it as a kid, so it was kind of different, but when, when I saw it and I was sort of old enough to understand what was going on, uh, I had the same struggle that I'm sure everybody on this call had with it, where I was, I thought it was like sacrilegious. I, I, I couldn't believe that they would kill off this nuclear family that I was just starting to fall deeply in love with. And I couldn't believe that, you know, Ripley had been reduced to this and then she fucking dies in the end. It's just, it's a really hard thing to get your head around. And the act of getting my head around it is the act of falling in love with it over and over again. And that is what is so special about this movie is the journey that it puts us on as fans is the journey is very similar to the journey that Ripley goes on. And I cannot, I've been talking with Micah about this this week. I can't think of any other movie that does that the way Alien 3 does. Any other movie that confronts us with loss in such a naked and frankly ridiculous way. I mean, it's, it's, it's so devastating that it's almost hard to, to even accept it. And then the movie continues to be that. Like, we, I mean, we're, we're introduced to Bishop as a pile of garbage crying to be shut off. Like we're introduced to Ripley, you know, having the guy that she may or may not be finally getting a chance to find love with getting, you know, he's getting eviscerated. It's like all these things just keep on accumulating. And that process of dealing with that is a sort of an, of a negation. It's a dark night of the soul. Uh, and I think that that's something that I hope we also talk about tonight is what it does to us as audiences, you know, mirroring what happens with the characters. And, and I will say this, that in my life, the times that have been the hardest are often the times that are the most important to me. They're the things that are, you know, oftentimes the scariest things like, you know, the birthing of children, for example, right, is also the most miraculous and, and astonishing thing. So it, life mirrors art and Alien 3 gives us a nearly unique window into that, in my opinion. I think what you said about how it deals with the loss and everything in such a naked way in a in a way that you feel is unique to the to this specific movie I think at least in the sci-fi genre it's 100% true I can't think of I mean I really it's funny as far as the tone and the um the way it just makes you sit in this situation that you that you would claw your way out of if you could that you just like want to get out of it like a nightmare you want to wake up from it really reminds me of a um cries and whispers is a movie by uh, Berg, uh ingmar bergman and that deals with terminal disease which this movie kind of deals with and also he has another movie called the silence where it's like it, there's no <laughs> there's no romanticization or sugar coating of death death is you know, seen as like a pretty um, unenviable thing, of course. But yeah, um, yeah, something I love about it as well. How'd I get here? You crash landed in an EEP, evidently separated from your mothership before you hit our atmosphere. You any idea how long you were in hypersleep? Because coming out the way you did can be quite a jolt to your system. Yeah, I'll be sick for a couple of weeks. Indeed. To that, I think, um, and I know all of us, or at least certainly Patrick and I, um, and have told our Alien 3 story where we were with things, and I'm sure we'll get back into that at some point, but for me, Alien 3, I accepted completely as I saw it. I didn't, I, I knew 
something was going to happen to Ripley. I remember being in the lobby of this commune that I was growing up in, and one of the pastors, his name was Neil, he was with another friend of mine, adults, named James, and they were huge Alien fans, and they were walking in from the Davis Theater where they saw the Alien 3 for like two bucks. And I'm like, what did you think? What did you think? Because, of course, I wasn't allowed to see it at that point. And they looked at me and they like, I said, oh, what? that was terrible. And I was like, oh, no. And then um, I finally saw it on my own terms with my dad and his friends hunting. And I just completely, that is, it was completely the story that I, I almost wanted. Not that I wanted, not that I wanted Hicks and Newt to die. It's not that I didn't love Aliens by that point. It was the only film that I was watching over and over. I wasn't watching Alien that much. But Alien 3 just met me on my own terms. And it wasn't apologizing. It wasn't making things pretty. It wasn't um, sen making anything sentimental, which is who David Fincher is as a director. He tells you the raw truth. Um, sometimes he has magic. You know, sometimes there's art. I mean, most of his films are art. He just He's a singular... Uh, filmmaker in that regard in terms of the kind of art that he makes and Alien 3 for me was hitting all of these notes just kind of this dystopian nothing this dystopian void and that's where I was living at the time so I just was like hey I meet someone right where I'm at so for me it really really worked and it didn't not that it ever stopped working but I didn't start seeing the issues with it that people were talking about until years later when people were like oh well hicks and newton everything they worked for in aliens and i was like oh yeah and i think the fantasy is always fun you know not that it's a fantasy but when you know everyone's get everyone gets saved and certainly they went through you know we lost hudson and vasquez and we lost all of these people they went through their own loss for sure but the nuclear family was saved so our family was saved and it didn't really affect me that much because family didn't mean much for me at that time um, so it was just this, like, beautiful invitation um, to experience a world with Ripley that was similar to the world that I was living in, in, in kind of an emotional way. Um, so I, I absolutely loved it. I have a question for Andy and Christian. Do you guys feel, because when I, when I put on the movie, there's certain images that come up and certain music cues and seeing Ripley with the shaved head and everything, it just feels so utterly essential. I'm like, oh, this is essential alien right here. Like it, it's, you know, this is as I've come to and grown to love it. Do you guys feel that when you watch it? Or do you, or are you still always kind of batting it back and forth? Like, oh, well, I do like this, but you know, I don't know if that's a hard uh, question. No, I, um, I think both. I think there are certain, there's scenes in Alien 3 that are absolutely iconic, you know? And I think her shaved head, the that scene where the alien is in her face, the ending, um, there's so many visuals, even, even the jarring beginning, um, you know, new, uh, so much of that movie stayed with me. I've seen, it's not that I don't like the movie. I love the movie i have seen it way too many times for a movie that you know supposedly i don't like i i do it's just the one that i struggle with the most with which is what we're meant to right it's not like jamie said it's not easy um and i i switch back and forth between yes this is absolutely essential and it always is 
And that part of me, that like, you know, 15 year old kid that had her heart torn out. And so there's always going to be, you know, a little bit of that movie going trauma, if you will, of, of going through it that first time. Um, but no, having said that, I've, I don't know how many times I've seen it, but it's a lot. And it's something that to me is, is profound and it, it affects me deeply. And I have grown to love it. I just did not at the, at the start. I don't think it's perfect. And I definitely think it has issues, but um, no, I think some of those scenes are just as iconic as the first two. So what about you, Christian? So be honest now. What's that? I said, be honest. Oh, yes. Did you say uh, essential? Was that the yeah, I guess. The modifier? I don't know. Well, I, I kind of picture, I don't know if this is true, but for those who still are really feel stung by the movie or feel like they can't go down that path, they went down a, a way they didn't want, would they watch it and, and feel like, this isn't this isn't alien. This isn't my alien. I can't separate the movie Alien Three from the time period that it came out in and where I was in my life. We can talk about that more later. But for me, possibly colored by that, but Alien Three is actually a gift because it is closure. It is a rumination on loss and grief, and then the movie ends with a finality that you will never see again in a franchise series. And that, and, and so whatever comes after it, however you feel about any, any other entries, there are three films that tell a, a complete and satisfying story. It does not end where anybody wanted it to, but it ends. And I, I, again, it, it's, it's honestly a gift. And I do feel like it is uh, to, to pretend that it doesn't exist for all that I love entertaining certain alternative paths that it could have gone in. No, it, this is essential. It's an essential part of the story. And because it's, it's right at the cusp, that critical period where films stopped looking anything like something from the late 70s. So 79, 86, 91, somehow they're able to make a cohesive, believable world in those three movies that no film since in the series has even attempted. And I, I'm afraid we'll never get back to. So yeah, it's... There are moments in that that are, I mean, it's funny, the, the alien up close next to her is the touch point for very, very casual fans to say, oh yeah, alien, that thing with the, you know, right up against Sigourney Weaver. And yet they may not even have seen that movie, but so that's my answer. Christian, I have to jump in here as the authority on dates and anniversaries, uh, you know, since it is the 30th anniversary, uh, you said 91, I would like to just for the record, since I know my dates now, I'm, I'm joking because Jamie and I recorded the teaser for this earlier today, and I fucked the anniversary up on that too. So, you know, now that I know it, I just want to show off. Um, no, something that uh, if, if, if I can, I, you know, Jamie had some some thoughts that he put down for this episode that I think are really good that I want us to make sure we touch on and kind of piggybacking off of Maj's question and also both of your responses. There's this specter hanging over this movie and that it's fundamentally not a feel good film. Right. And that is something that we all have to really reckon with because Aliens, for all of its death and all of its loss, is a very deeply fundamentally feel good movie. 
because it gives a sense of good triumphing over evil, which was very, very intentional, right? That even in the, in the darkest parts of the universe, there is still a light shining. Alien 3, I think, presents actually the same thing in a more powerful way, but it does so in a way that you have to like really fight through a lot of what presents as nihilism to get there. And that, I think, I can't imagine, because I was too young to see this in theaters when it came out, I can't even imagine how disappointing that feeling was for people. I remember, you know, my, so, so my, I'm very close to my cousins. They're kind of like my brothers and, you know, we, we were all big sci-fi nerds. And so part of why I'm into Alien and Blade Runner and all these things is because we would always grow up, you know, watching these things and pretending. And, uh, and so my cousin, Joey, who's six years older than me, got to see Alien 3 in theaters. And, you know, we've been watching the trailer over and over again. We had it like taped on some commercial break from something and we kept watching it. And we were like trying to guess why the alien wasn't attacking her and all these things. Um, and he saw it and he was like, oh my God, that was so, you have no idea how bad this movie is. It is the most disappointing thing. And that narrative, I think part of why it's persisted so much is because it is just like the decimation of all of these things that we held sacrosanct, like we've all been saying. So something that I, I want to kind of just throw out there is how we all deal with that and how it, how it sits with us in this, in the unique place that it occupies. And for me personally, something that I find like it's borderline it's borderline uh humorous in the way that this is like the, the fact that it's so overdone right we lose these two characters that we love so dearly and then we see the child character of these two characters autopsied and it's the only brightly lit scene in the entire film like it's got a freaking you know halogen lights going on bright white and blue and we watched this child who for the entire previous film or most of it was like the thing that we as the viewers with Ripley as our cipher were trying to protect not only get not only dead but eviscerated on a cold tablet right we are presented with this like crazy loss in a very direct way um so I, I'm throwing that out there to get some of your thoughts on it and also to say that for me uh, I understand and empathize with people who are unable to get over that loss still, especially if they haven't spent as much time thinking about it as we have. So for people like my cousin, Joey, who just saw it that one time and probably never again, because they hated it. Um, like they're still in that headspace of like, what the hell was the point of all that? Whereas for us, because we meditate on it and we talk about it so much and we watch it so many times, we gradually start to see some sort of underlying emotional journey, but that's something I want to throw out there to people. How do you deal with the fact that it's not, you know, a feel-good closure, or like Christian was saying, that it's not the way that every other trilogy in history ends. It ends in a very different manner. Where are the others? They didn't make it. What? They didn't survive. I have to get to the ship. Get to the ship. You're in no condition for that. You hit on something really interesting in terms of processing what people have to what people think about the film like oh i didn't like your you know joey didn't like it. it's like oh you know he thought it was awful but my question has always been why do people say that do they say it's awful because what happened they didn't like or do they say it's awful because they don't think it's a good film and i i tend to pivot back to i think it's just a story that they they didn't want and of course we all agree it's a tragedy. It's not fun. It's not, it's hard to watch. I mean, it's, we don't just see Ripley die. We see everyone die except for Morse. I mean, and some of the Wayland Yutani people at the end, everyone dies in this movie. Um, even the people that we get to know and like a little bit like Dylan, um, no one that we liked 
made it out. The only one who makes it out is the one who's taunting Ripley in the film and essentially just talking talking about her like she's garbage, like she's just, she's nothing. And so I, that question to kind of, it's kind of a question to your question, Patrick, like what are people really responding to here? Is it not the movie you want to see? And that's why you think it's, maybe there's missed opportunities to Christian's point, or is it just, is it just a bad movie? I think people probably feel a little uh, like lost at sea watching the movie. Like they don't know what to glom onto a little bit. Like I saw um, an interview clip with uh, Ron Perlman actually. And I think it must've been for a uh, alien resurrection um, special feature. And he's, he just, you know, his point that he made very quickly, you know, in passing when asked in this uh, clip was I, I didn't, I didn't have any, I didn't have anyone I could root for in that picture. I didn't have anyone, you know, they didn't take the time to, to craft people that, you know, we could root for. And, um, and then there's also a great uh, clip from Lance Henriksen, who's less uh, down on the film and just more expressing his surprise at how far uh, they went in the, in a nihilistic direction and saying, um, that everyone in the movie is so, um, he, he used the word despicable. I mean, because they're of course all violent criminals and even Clemens admits to, you know, a pretty horrendous crime. And he said it was tough to even see Ripley falling for a guy who's done something that some might feel is irredeemable. Um, so I think it's that, and it's also not a movie of high highs and low lows. It's sort of like, you know, I, I can see it being a punishing experience for many people, but it's, but once you, once you accept, once you uh, give over to the vibe of that movie and you start really just appreciating uh, the craft of the movie and also the, 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 um, um, like the gall of, of them to, to take it there and also how, how right it does feel when you just give it a little thought. I think that's when, um, you know, you can start to get past those things. But I think there are, I think it can be more than just the story. Like, oh, I don't like the Ripley dies at the end. I think there are other things over the runtime of experiencing that movie that people were like, this isn't giving me the same feeling. I think just based on comments that I continue to see 30 years later, you know, now that we have the internet, I think a huge portion of it is what happened in those first few minutes. I think it lost a lot of people. I don't think, you know, they're criticizing Fincher's skills. Sometimes you'll see comments about the CGI, you know, which most of it is not, but they'll say, oh, the CGI is bad. But other than that, like 90% of the comments are always, you know, why did they kill Hicks and New? It's the movie sucks. And like, and that's where the conversation dies. I think it, for a lot of people, it just dies in the first two minutes. Um, so I don't think it's a factor of the film itself, the quality of the film. I think it's that, and like what you were saying, there's nobody, I felt that too. There, I felt nobody I could latch onto. I did like Clemens and Dylan, you know, the, the best out of the two, as I think we were meant to, but um, it's hard to kind of 
latch on, you know? And especially if you cut yourself off after that first viewing, like your cousin, which I think a lot of people did. They're like, I'm out, you know? I think that's where a lot of people are still. But the fact that we're still, they're still talking about it and still pissed off 30 years later says something. Yeah, and this is not, not to say that these people are right, but it did get quite a lot of just objective film reviewers that had issues with pacing. Um, I actually, in, prep, in preparing for this, I, was, I, I had the same question, so I was looking it up. You know, what, what, what did actual reviews say about it? A lot of them talked about the story being problematic with the deaths in the beginning but having to kind of dance around it because they couldn't spoil it. But but people like Ebert and Roper, for example, they felt like it was repetitious. They felt like a lot of the plot elements felt recycled to them, which is crazy to me because it doesn't feel like that at all. Uh, they also felt that, like uh, actually Ebert said that once he realized that the alien was faster than the prisoners, it felt like wasting time because it was clear that it was going to get all of them. So the chase sequence felt boring to him. Um, there were people had technical concerns with it, but nobody said it looked bad. And indeed, when they revisited it, like I was just saying in our chat over here, um, you know, what because Holt McCallany, of course, is in Fight Club and actually is the guy behind Brad Pitt's beautiful torso in the famous poster from Fight Club. If, you, if anybody's ever wants a little Alien 3 Easter egg, you can see him there, but nobody is because Brad Pitt looks good with his shirt off. So we're all kind of looking right there. Um, but uh, but Holt McCallany, when he was in that, you know, they revisited it because they were doing a review of Fincher's Fight Club. And they were talking about Alien 3 and how it still to them was a disappointment and how uh, it, but the visuals had held up. So it, so I do think people had actual objective issues with it. That being said, I mean, I'm saying objective, they're subjective, but they present them as being objective issues. That being said, the assembly cut was, you know, better received in general by people and people who had technical issues with the first theatrical release. A lot of them felt like that had, you know, ameliorated some of it, but yeah, it, it was something that there, there was, I think the story sour people. And I think people started looking for things to pick apart too, you know. When bad things happen to good people, it's like the toughest pill to swallow. Like the injustice of it is so painful. And to open a movie that way is kind of nuts. And it, 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 it does actually get me every single time. I don't even have to watch Aliens before. I just like, I see that and it's like, this is what you're in for for the next two hours. And it just like, it's like, oh man, it's like a gut punch literally every time. Let me ask this question then. Are we settled with the death of Hicks and Newt? Is it something that you can ever get over? I know for me, I doesn't, I don't ever think about it. I just, okay, they're gone. But I also wonder too, with this question, how much of our responses have to do with who we are as people? I mean, everything has to do with who we are as people, right? What, what we respond to, um, although Patrick and I had, you know, vastly different lives growing up, but we both love the movie. We both feel like it works. Um, so certainly people can kind of come together and agree on something. Not that everyone has to agree on something, but I'm just curious, uh, depending on your view, is it, is their deaths are catastrophic and they're not just like oh they died it feels like fincher being punitive with it like oh we we're fucking killing these you know these people off um and part of me likes that because i feel like that's life life sucks and when you're working for a company um they do terrible things to people the companies that we you know that we live around today do horrible horrible things to people um in some cases worse disfigurement and dismemberment or disfigurement of women's babies or um people getting crazy like deformities from working around you know 
hazardous material, but not ever realizing that they were working around hazardous material. So seeing Ripley go through that and seeing this kind of uh, malevolent company come in and just say, oh, no. Oh, no, she ain't, she's not going anywhere. Feels authentic to me. But I'm curious if it does to you guys. No, <clears throat> I'm sorry. <laughs> you are justifying after the fact using real world examples, the worst storytelling. It is, you know, it's not Fincher's fault, but Fincher came in as a very young, hotshot, first time director wanting to make his mark. But the choice to kill those characters off, I think goes as far back as Vincent Ward, who on record says he hated the character of Newt, wanted to, to clear all of that away, makes ridiculous mistakes in his script. Like he's got the head of, of Casey the doll in, in the cryo tube. Like that's bullshit. That's floating in the water back on LB426. You know, you don't even watch, you didn't watch the movie. What are you talking about? So yes, it works. And it's how the story goes, but to people have not even totally settled into their seats necessarily. And you're, you're telling them, oh, by the way, the last 20 minutes of the previous film was for nothing. These characters are gone. And also we're gonna do an autopsy. And that, that leads to a whole bunch of things. I, to rewrite Alien 3, there's a better version where only Ripley crashes on this planet. And at the end, Bishop is holding out hope. I have Hicks, I have Newt, come with us and we'll reunite you. And then she has to sacrifice herself. That's the better sacrifice, that's the better ending. Plus it would leave it open for a sequel, which is what Fox wanted anyway. But I didn't write the film. You always do this. <laughs> I want that version. I kind of do too. These elegant rewrites. Oh. Give me a time machine, I'll go back. <laughs> No, I, Christian and I actually chatted about that um, a couple of weeks ago, but I, I always felt something similar where what, at the end of the version that we got, there is nothing left. Yes, she's saving humanity, but the stakes would have been that much higher had she had to do that knowing <clears throat> that her found family was still there. Um, or at least the, at least the, chance of it you know maybe he's lying maybe they are dead but if we don't know it she doesn't know it there is hope um so to answer your question i am still not over it so that's that's my answer <laughs> clearly i i don't i will never that would that literally like ripped my heart out um so you know I, again i have grown to love this film but that is something that like gutted me when I tell you it gutted me and I know it's a story I know it's a movie but you know it was it was just something that like you said the first two minutes which I believe I confessed this to when I first got introduced <clears throat> to Alien 3 or when I first saw it I had already snuck a peek at the novelization it was in a bookstore and I had kind of read through it and as soon as I saw that they were dead it like I, I closed it out of like horror I was like what is this and then I went to the theater hoping maybe it's a different version like maybe you know because the novelization is is different and then I, I just got gutted all over again so um 
but I agree with Christian. I think there could have been a way to, to leave that door open a little bit. It's funny because for all of the things in the novelization that deviate from the film, that is one thing that didn't. And also Christian is right. That was from the Vincent Ward script. And it was only because Vincent Ward wanted to get rid of, of Newt. Right. And then of course it, we had the Gibson script, which then centered the whole story around Hicks primarily. And then we had the Bernie Harlan script and we had all these different rewrites. And then the final shooting script ended up retaining that like the by far most controversial. I mean, forget about wooden planets. Like the most controversial part of that script is killing off the nuclear family in the beginning but they kept it. But I have to push back on So Christian, your ending is much more sentimental and much more Hollywood. And I really, really love it. But I would, I would put to you that the fact that everybody breathed a sigh of relief and said, oh, that would be nice, is exactly why that should not be the way the movie goes, because <laughs> totally. that goes against the purpose of the whole movie. And that to me is why I, I've, I've so passionately rallied against the Blomkamp script, because the sense of loss and nihilism and darkness that defines Alien 3 to such a ridiculous degree that makes it such a hard thing to watch, to me, is honestly what makes it an important film. Um, that being said, it, it makes it a worse movie. I, I think I think your movie would have been better had it ended like that. Like I think I think not only would, would most people have loved that, I think most people would have thought of it as it's sentimental because she's sacrificing something, but there's still hope. What I love about Alien 3, so the journey of Ripley in these three movies, right? We talked with Sarah Welch Larson about a lot of this stuff is this journey where in the first film, she's a company, she's a sort of a company gal, right? She's going by the book. She's keeping the ship in order. She knows her place in the hierarchy and she's going by protocol. And then she is thrown into chaos and people are lost. And she has a moment of heroism in that she's able to save the cat. But outside of getting Jonesy off the ship, there's really nothing you know, overtly heroic about her journey. And then we have aliens where her bubble gets larger and she goes more directly in willful opposition to the company, not out of a sense of survivalship, but out of a sense of duty to do the right thing. And in doing so, finds Hicks and finds this sense of like who she really was born to be and finds a sense of the leader within her and becomes this really great, very overt heroic figure. And we get this big story about her. And then in Alien 3, we visit almost like this quiet after echo of Alien where we see Ripley alone again. And we have these moments with her, just like we did at the ending of when she's on the Narcissus in the first film, where we feel like, you know, like, I mean, to, to me, the parts of Alien that stick with me the most largely are the parts where it's just Ripley, you know, and she sees very clearly that there's an alien down the hallway in the strobe light and she chooses to go anyway, right? Or that when she goes into the closet, like that, the scene where she's getting in the closet and getting in the pressure suit is so striking because like she's doing, she's in the, in the face of, of annihilation, she's choosing to act in a brave way right and like there's only one way out of a closet and that way out of the closet is directly in the line of fire of, of this angry monster right so like those quiet moments that we get where it's just her against the vastness of space right Th those are very powerful to me and then her cryo sleep exodus for 57 years that that's that's like it's powerful because it puts against the backdrop of this vast you know infinitude of space this tiny story of this one woman and her one journey so the stripping away of everything that aliens beautifully added on to her mythology to me feels like what's important because we're left with only her we're left with our pilot light right and that to me is really powerful but i agree with your story choice and i would have loved to have seen that movie because i would feel a lot better about it but now that we've been through that loss like that's the other thing too is hollywood films always try to make it seem like there is no finality to anything right Something beautiful about Alien 3 is how moribund it is, right? How morbid it is. 
how the entire time we are aware of the ticking clock of destiny. We are aware, we've been confronted with death so much in these movies, but up until Alien 3, to me, the deaths always felt sort of, not disposable, but like characters dying. They felt like, even, you know, even like uh, Vasquez and Gorman, like their death hits me very emotionally hard every time, but I feel like I'm watching these characters dying, not real people, not real humans almost. In Alien 3, I feel like this real sense of like, we're watching an actual woman dying. We're watching her take her the ending of her life into her own hands. And that's, I think, because of the negation, because everything is taken away from her and we see her one story. And last thing I'll say before I shut up is it brings to mind like the power of Dylan's sentiment when he says we don't get to choose when it's our time, but we do get to choose how we go out, right? And that is a deep fundamental truth that a lot of movies just pretend doesn't exist. A lot of movies say you live on forever in memory and in song and in dance and the families and the memories you make, right? Which are things that we like to tell ourselves and who knows, maybe they're true. But the reality is, is there is, a, there is an end. Alien 3 is, is really embracing of that in a way that feels profound to me. When I said that Alien 3 was a gift, <clears throat> that is predicated on the concept that it is also the end of all those characters. And my wish fulfillment rewrite makes it not the end. It's it's a pause. And now wait a couple of years and you'll have a sequel. And maybe it'll be good quality, maybe it won't. So, but you know how in the second Born Identity movie and the second Wayne's World movie, the character that in the, in the previous film, our hero had settled down with, oh, she's a fembot, I have to kill her, and now we're gonna move on. Or, oh, Franca Patente just drowned in the river for no good reason. Now I'll go on with my adventures. That's what, it's that reset. It, it's a very Hollywood reset. At the beginning of Alien 3, we don't want these characters. This, era, this, this actor aged out, or it doesn't fit with our story, so we'll just kill them off quickly. That's, so whether or not, if you take Alien 3 as its own thing, or if you take Alien 3 as part of this trilogy, as part of a saga, I, I do think that it works. But I can't divorce myself from the reality of Hollywood. And it's the, it's the let's give the girlfriend a tranquilizer or whatever in, in uh, Back to the Future 2. Just keep her asleep in the backseat of the car. Like, you know, what is bullshit? And it's a, it's a longstanding tradition of Hollywood bullshit so that your main character can go and do their new adventure. And she's, she's asleep for the second and third movie. <laughs> Back to the future. She wakes up at the end of the trilogy on a, on a, a porch uh, swing. Oh uh, man. Now I gotta, I gotta jump off something that Andy said earlier. My best friend had gotten the alien three novel, which I did not realize. And the night before we had a sleepover, we watched alien, we watched aliens. We go to the theater and I don't know, what is it, like five or 10 minutes into the movie, Ripley says something like, I want to see the body. And my, my best friend is like, oh, I got to go to the bathroom. And she leaves. And so I'm sitting there alone. The lights come on. You know, as Jamie said, the most brightly lit scene in the whole film is the corpse of Newt, who the night before we work so hard, we struggle to save her. She almost gets sucked out of the airlock and, and thank goodness Bishop is there to grab her. And now she's getting cut open on camera. And my goddamn friend <laughs> timed it perfectly because she'd read the novel. So, but tying it back to other things, the film is so well-made and it is so gorgeous. If in, in, in less capable hands, 
I probably would have written it off after that first viewing, but I absolutely didn't. I kept going back and I was just reminded one of the most important moments for me actually was, you're going to love this, the VHS release of Hot Shots. Hot Shots mm-hmm. had the, the trailer for Alien 3 at the beginning of the VHS tape that had the shots of Clemens walking on the surface of the planet in a world, you know, that whole thing. It was more footage. And clearly this film had already ingrained itself in me whenever that, that VHS came out. It was important to me enough to rent the movie just to watch the trailer because I wanted to know what, what, what else is there to this story? What did they cut out of the movie? So it got in here and it, it stayed for 30 years. You know, if there's one movie that screams Alien 3 marketing, it is Hot Shots, I have to say. <laughs> or Hot Shots Part Deux. <laughs> part part deux. 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 Yeah. We're going to take a break and be right back. We all remember that moment. The first time we heard a theme from our favorite movie. How it stayed with us. Comforted us. Stirring our imagination. Sublime Noise is our Patreon-exclusive film score review show. Starting at just $4 a month, you will gain access to Sublime Noise, as well as our Warehouse of Framerate episodes, where we discuss and review our favorite films. To sign up, go to www.perfectorganism.com forward slash support. You know, uh, to a couple of the things that people are saying in terms of maybe hope, maybe maybe Newton Hicks are on the ship and maybe, you know, that idea that the, the story can kind of continue after Ripley. And I think that's, that's interesting, but I also pivot to, and I'm bringing this up because whether you like the last two matrix films or not, like that's some people love them. Some people don't, but of course what, what happens at the end of the third one, Neo dies. And it's almost this very beautiful death. Um, He dies for, his people, he dies for the freedom of Zion and blah, 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 blah. Um, but then, 22 years later, or 20, 19 years later, whatever, Neo isn't dead. Neo's still, Neo's back in the Matrix now. And he's got eyes again. Um, and I've seen the Matrix Resurrections a couple of times. It's interesting. I don't really ever think about it too much because it just isn't that good of a film, but it lessens his sacrifice by bringing him back. And I think in the same way, and this is, I'm saying this because I, I think everybody knows how much I miss Ripley. Everyone knows how much I bored Blomkamp's film. I was initially until, you know, Patrick convinced me out of it two years later. (laughs) Um, but I really like, I miss her so much. I miss her so much. And um, at the same time, um, her death feels so cathartic in a way for her own story. It feels rightful. It feels like it's something that, it seems like a natural progression to her story. That she's not going to get it out of, she's not going to get out of life, but humanity might. And that's kind of the, the, the path she took but again i i go to these other films or even alien resurrection so they bring her back and she's a bit of a mix but she's certainly 
the Ripley that we remember. You can see it in her face. You can see it in the way there's a goodness there to her that they didn't kind of clone out. There's something about Ripley's integrity that's still in her. And so when you see her in Alien Resurrection, as terrible as the film as that is, I can I see some of the character that I love. Um, and in some ways it was like, oh, thank you, she's back. She's a little bit different, but this is her, you know? But it, it, it also, in its own way, kind of made her death seem stupid. It made it stupid, like, oh, we're just going to bring her back because we're going to pay Sigourney Weaver $11 million, and we need, we need this franchise back. We need our moneymaker. We need to try and make, you know, we need another Aliens, and they tried and they tried, of course. Um, so I, I, those are things that, I, that go on in my head in terms of, like, well, what happens when you... Like, what would have happened? Say Ripley didn't die. What what would have been the story? And I'm not saying, and, and I'm curious if you, all of you, if you think it was a rightful end to her journey, her death, or should she have continued on? But in the same, in the same way, like, and even Sigourney Weaver has gone on record saying this, how many different times am I going to wake up? And, oh, look, the alien, like, that's a legitimate question. How many times is she going to battle this thing? How many times... Would Newt and Hicks, if they would have survived, battle this thing? How much do we see that's going to be like, oh, they're just recycling the same story, whereas Alien 3 was not recycled at all. It was had the tone of the first film, and kind of, the, but it was a downer at the same time. Well, the fear is to turn her into Bruce Willis's character from Die Hard, where by Die Hard 4 or whatever, you, you've completely lost, or, or Rambo 4, you know, these characters have lost any semblance of, of where they started out. First Blood is actually kind of an amazing film. And by the time you get to that last one, it's, you know, not on my back, not in my backyard kind of a thing. It's what happened? And, and you're right. I, I remember I had this idea for a sequel to a whole bunch of films where you just see the characters happy. Like, you know, let, let's check in with Harrison Ford's character from The Fugitive and see that he's actually doing okay now. And we don't need to have a new adventure for him, I just wanna check in. So similarly, do I really want Hicks and Newt to come back and have to face this again? And by facing it again, do they, does it lessen the first time they faced it? Does it start to become routine? So in that sense, it's still so good to finish off Ripley's arc. And if we lose a few characters along the way, that's, that's completely in keeping with everything that's come before in the, in the previous two films. All right, I'm jumping in, gang. Here we go. I have so many thoughts. I really love listening to everybody um, and what you have to say, Christian, especially. Yeah, j- just some really great ideas. But I I kind of really want to talk about, it, Jamie, coming off a little bit, um, this will segue in, but just what really worked for me and why I really enjoy what I really enjoyed and loved about Alien 3 and that main thing being Ripley right like I feel like we go on such I don't want to I want to say like strenuous and just a crazy journey with her through the first film through Aliens uh and then Alien 3 you know with it being so like she loses everything and we lose everything as well I felt like the losses of Newt and Hicks 
maybe didn't affect me as much when I was younger because I just, I just, my brain wasn't there. Like I, I couldn't fully wrap my head around what that loss meant. Um, but what stuck out to me so strongly and what I was tied to so much was Ripley's character and the fact that she is in a completely different situation different place like something that's so like alien to us I feel like too like something we haven't that's not like normal to see in a science science fiction film like a planet where they put a bunch of prisoners and it's a different like setting the environment the the people that she's around you're just like I've never really experienced something like this how would you react in a sort of in a similar situation and there's an alien um chasing killing everybody so for me what I loved were uh just a lot of like the character choices and the like the camaraderie between the prisoners like Dylan is one of my favorite characters um and almost like almost made me forget about Hicks once I once you got I got towards the end of the film because Dylan was such like a strong leader and just had like a lot of great quotes and just like made me feel awesome because at the end when he has to like fist fight the alien I'm like that's one of my favorite scenes in the entire franchise and uh that a lot of that movie is like that right like these these guys like they're basically fist fighting this alien which you don't see in any of the other films um and it's just so glorious at the end when these people I guess like these people that you wouldn't expect to sort of have each other's backs at the end of this film like come together and almost they almost all sacrifice themselves for each other for like this legacy of um Patrick what you were saying like of of Dylan being like you know do you want to have a choice in the way that you go out or do you want to like just stand here and let it happen to you sort of thing and so there's so many of like those really good moments that push forth into Ripley like truly understanding what she's been through that the company isn't stopping like in the most realistic manner um you know looking at the real world in that we live in how um death and things like that don't really mean anything to those large corporations um or the government or what have you and she still somehow finds a way to have the upper hand at the end and chooses to go her own way and like she chooses her way out or just her ending in a sense and it's it's uh what I felt at the end of the film just like the the best way that that it could have ended like if we only got alien aliens and alien three I think I would still feel the same way about it and I would still love how how it ends Speaking about the end, I think the most profound part is no one is mourning her, right? I mean, Bishop character is mourning the alien loss, um, but we are. Like, we're all she's got at the end, which makes that, I think that's the most profound part for me. Like you were saying, you, you know, like we love her. And it's like, no one else is with you. No one even knows you're here. No one knows you. Everyone you know is dead. 
So we're the ones mourning her. And I think it's like that, per that's the most personal moment is that's it. It's just uh, the audience and her in that moment. Um, so I love that. I love that you brought that up, Andy, because oh, that, that, yeah. so th there's something that I, I wanted to mention. Jamie and I watched Alien 3 together um, when he was here last time. It was actually the first time either of us had ever watched it before. It was pretty impressive. Um, no, we, we watched it together, which was great. And something that I had never been looking for until that viewing was the way Fincher uses perspective to reinforce that we're actually there with her during this and with the characters. And there's one shot of Clemens when he, so he, I, I can't remember what he says right now, but he opens a locker uh, and he has a little moment to himself. What does he say in that moment? Does anybody know? Is it the you line know? about how he hasn't seen a naked woman in years? That's it. Either? Thank you. Yes, that's it. So, so he opens when he's not come to think of another of I, right? And then it goes, and then he closes the locker again. And that moment, it's just, it's a simple gesture from a film standpoint, but it's an important one because it shows a very specific moment where he's treating the viewer like you're privy to information that others are not. And you're privy to Clemens' personal moment right now. And you exist within the space of that locker, which is now closed, but you, but you were there with that secret in that locker in that moment. And he mm. does that throughout the movie a lot. He's very clear about what perspectives we're supposed to be taking. So as we go through this continuous purgation of characters and we're left really with only Ripley, it is really, like you said, Andy, it's like just us and her before the face of the infinite, right? And that is like crazy, crazy powerful. And, and I, I, I want to invite others to go back to that point because because I know people other people unmuted for a second but before that I just want to mention one thing that you're making me think of which I, I want to write a paper on someday I think but part of what I love about Alien 3 is it mirrors my favorite work of religious literature and I say that as a not you know religious I'm, I'm an agnostic person but but I uh, one of my favorite courses that I took in undergrad was a religious studies course, and it was specifically a poem by the 16th century mystic Spanish poet, St. John of the Cross. It's called La Noche Oscura del Alma, The Dark Night of the Soul. And, uh, and it's, it's an amazing long-form poem about this idea of purgation and these, these, you know, and Dark Night of the Soul has entered popular lexicon as just an idiomatic phrase, right? People say like, oh, I'm going through a hard time. It's a dark night of the soul. The way it's used in the poem is actually very specific, and it's and it's not quite what what we use it as today. In the poem, to achieve union with God, uh, you have to go through a, a series of purgations. The first is all of your ability to sense, to to feel yourself as a part of the world, and the second is all of your ability to be spiritual. So you have to lose your ability to know that you're of the world and also lose your ability to know that you're of anything beyond that to find union with God in this poem. But the way it mirrors Ripley's journey is really powerful because we see these things stripped from her, right? She loses her sense of self and who she is, and she loses her sense of connection to other people. And then she loses her sense of all purpose. And then in the act of dying, she finds that one remaining purpose that she has. And we're the only ones there to witness that. And that's so powerful. Like, that's crazy to me that there's a movie that does that, that puts us in the room with somebody in the middle of that dark night of the soul purgation moment and says, if nothing else, you will see this, right? This is for you now. All the other events in these three movies have been for everyone else, but this is for you. And as an Alien 3 fan and as somebody who has had to go to the turf on it quite a bit over the years with people, it feels like it's just literally personally for me when I watch that. I feel like, and of course, Elliot Goldenthal's score, which to me is not only the best score in the entire franchise, it's the best score in film history, in my opinion, which you know might be, uh, might be too much, but whatever, I, I, I'm standing by it. 
uh, it's just an astonishing, astonishing achievement. And so we're there with her, you know, naked before the, the vast infinite with this person that we are so attached to. And the music is just ringing out. And of course, in the theatrical cut, we say goodbye to Ripley as she's subsumed by a field of molten lead, right? And it's just, it's just absolutely beautiful and astonishing. And so, I, yeah, I, I just wanted to say that. So Dark Knight of the Soul is not Batman's R&B album, you're selling me. <laughs> That's not what it is. It should so, be. It should be. So, some film reviewer <clears throat> summed Alien 3 up as saying, it takes you to a very dark place and leaves you there. What you guys are talking about, Andy, you really made me look at it in a different way of we're the only ones to witness Ripley saving potentially humanity. Morse really doesn't care about her. He may grudgingly respect her, but he doesn't care about her. And the Wheeling Yutani people are almost barely human. They're, they're, their motivations are so awful. So you're right. We're the ones that are there to see this happen. And then... <sighs> It, that score in lesser hands, that moment would not work. And the closing up of the whole facility, the mothballing of it, I don't know why it, that, that is so effective as an ending um, that I can almost forgive the ridiculousness of her Nostromo sign off coming in, floating in from the ether or whatever. But again, that's a gift for us. That's a, a reminder. This is the journey we've all chosen to take. And, um, and yeah, it, it doesn't, it takes us to a dark place and it doesn't have to leave us there so much as it has guided us there like Dante. There's a sense of we have to go through this because this is how this goes. And, and if we don't witness it, then no one will know how humanity was saved with, with no, it, for all that I was saying, you know, Hicks and Newt are waiting for us in the spaceship. Nope, it's all done. She, she finishes it, Ripley finishes the story. But if we'd gone with my version, we wouldn't have gotten Alien Resurrection. We potentially would have gotten a better Alien 4. Boom. <laughs> Directed by Michael Bay. <laughs> Coming off of Bad Boys, it would have been like, mm, he's the guy. He's the guy. Yep. Well, we, yep. we would have gotten The Rock Michael Bay, though, which which was about as good Michael Bay as Ooh. Michael Bay got. So, you know, who knows? That's a good call out, Patrick. That's when he was good. I mean, yeah. for him. Yeah, the, a two-year period where he made a couple good ones. Kristen, you're very, like visual like you're of course you're a man of props a man of uh you know uh costumes it, how was that the first time seeing it the did that strike you because it's obviously like visually pretty um like um superb movie was there anything that jumped out or or, or like the alien design you know is that um let's yeah. wait to get into that okay okay until like another because i feel like we're gonna um kind of roll into those discussions but i feel like we should keep the tone of what we're talking about and i mean honestly i feel like we're at a good place to kind of suspend things and to come back this is kind of our first round table we're going to be back talking about more alien 3 and also uh, there's there's characters we haven't really discussed in depth like clemens like dylan like morse like aaron um who, of course, the actor Ralph Brown we've had on the show, and really talk about, no one's in this discussion about character, no one's mentioned the only character to survive as long as Ripley, essentially. Um, I mean, arguably, except for Morse, Aaron. He survived. He, and, but he loses his life, you know, doing what he thought was the right thing. And I would love to talk about that at some point, but I really feel like mm -hmm. this will be a good 
conversation for those listening to kind of feel where they're at too, where they were at when the movie released. And so we can, I'll just open this up right now to like listener feedback. We would love to hear from you guys. What do you think? Where are you at with this movie? Um, are you still angry? Have you have you gone through those kind of stages of like anger, denial, acceptance? You know, I think there's like four. I can't remember all of them. Um, but where are you at with this movie? Because I think Alien 3 really is the funeral um, that we don't want, even though we love it. It's the funeral we don't want. It's It's the death that hurts the most. And I'm fascinated to find out from our listeners where they are in that kind of spectrum. At some point in a later episode, I do want to mention how the three um, first three alien films mirror the three sections of Beowulf because the same thing happens. You know, you, for all that Beowulf is the triumphant hero, you have to, you have to finally get to the third part where he's killed by the dragon. That's just how the story goes. Um, but it, it's, as, as I've gotten older, the more times I read Beowulf, same as watching Alien 3, the more, not only do I accept that this is how it ends, but I see how it relates in a new way to, to my life. Knowledge is different in different states of consciousness. And so as you get older and you have discovered different things, re- revisiting a story can give you a new perspective and, and you'll, you'll discover that maybe this time you're not identifying with the protagonist so much as a side character. And, you know, that's humbling. <laughs> but, um, and, and to that end, Aaron should have been the one to survive. It, it, is, it blows my mind that Morse is the one that gets walked out of there because he's not even, he's not even a prominent member of the, the prison general population for the first half of the movie. He kind of shows up saying he wants to shove Ripley's head through the wall. But Aaron, God damn, you know, he should have been the one to have taken the story back out. But anyway, other people's closing thoughts. I but just want to kind of movie this is right. This, this yeah, the randomness. Any any the universe is is fundamentally yep. chaotic, and it's what yep. we do with that chaos that defines us. It's and like if you watch the theatrical sick, the the week she's supposed yeah. to premiere a, a musical, you know, it sucks. It's awful. Yeah. Right? If you watch the theatrical cut, Gallic gets forgotten. He's still in the infirmary tied to yeah. Bed. <laughs> yeah. I just hope that people after listening to this and just our round tables and, and what we put out this year on alien three, I just really hope, because I know there is so much turmoil over this film and, and I just really hope we can help shed some light into the darkness that is alien three um, to just really bring about a sense of appreciation. Like you, like you say, Christian, like it's, there are so many beautiful moments and things to appreciate yeah and if you read sarah welch larson's becoming alien book right like there's so many thematic um and symbolic things throughout the franchise itself but in this film that are just just so enlightening and just bring about a great perspective not only in the art that is the film itself but in the story the characters the beast like there's so much there um that i love about it and i hope we can share that and i hope other people can can feel that and hopefully we'll watch alien 3 again and see it and and see some of those things too and just my my closing two cents something that really stuck with me from sarah welsh larson's book but also the conversation we had with her was that i had never honestly thought considered the prisoners in any real capacity in this movie until that book like for me that was the, the like the story was so ripley heavy 
that I kind of had not even considered outside of Clemens and Dylan, like anybody else as a really fully formed character uh, other than Aaron too, I guess. But what I love about Alien 3 is that it presents us with these completely dehumanized shells, these husks of people who are, who have, you know, continued to remain be husked out of choice because they have lost a sense of self outside of that husk. And what we see in Alien is and Alien 3 is this continual, these mini journeys of refulfilling, of rehumanizing, these little touch points of people coming back into themselves. And so the the prevailing narrative on Alien on Alien 3, outside of just people complaining about it for you know right reasons or wrong reasons, is that it is, you know, borderline anti-natalist, that it is like a very bleak depiction. It's very pessimistic. It is doom and gloom. It is nihilism. And yet to me, Alien 3 is is the is absolutely antithetical to all of those things. It wears the clothes of those things. It feels like it's actually about that, but it's not. It's a deeply humanistic, deeply hopeful film that where that hope is the way it is in actual life, which is buried under a lot of stuff that you need to fight through to find it. So that's that's why I will always fight for Alien 3 and why I will always come back to it as as one of, if not my favorite film of all time. Preach. Any, anything else? Anyone else? Um, yeah, I'll just go on record saying I although I am I've said I am not over the the depths of, of uh Hicks and Newt. Um I have not ex well, yes, I guess accepted it, but it's I guess I'm a glutton for punishment because I keep coming back for more. Right. So if anything, this movie makes you feel something. And so whether that's catharsis one time, whether that's just utter, you know, if I just need to just let all my feet, all, all my emotions out, this might be the one I visit because if it is certainly not a movie you walk away from just going, eh, right. There are strong opinions for a reason. And I think that's a hallmark of a strong film. So I can't wait to talk more about it. I guess uh, just to get in real quick before we wrap, uh, Jamie had some notes that uh, he had written down and shared with us before uh, going into the show. And one question um, that he raises, is Alien 3 a worthwhile story? And I think it definitely is, but even more so, I think it's a worthwhile movie. And I think movies are more than the story. You know, this movie birthed that score that Patrick loves so much. It birthed the iconic image of Ripley with a shaved head, um, the idea of, a, of this prison planet. And then... Uh, just the general vibe of the movie is completely unique to the series and the genre, I think. So it is absolutely worthwhile. And I'm, I'm pumped that we're going to be covering it. I do think it's interesting that every film after alien three tried to re replicate aliens again, every film and none of them succeeded, even though alien three wasn't really a financial success or even a critical success or even a success with the fans it did something that the other two films didn't, which was be its own thing. And I'm excited to talk more about what that is. It's because it's a poem and poems aren't supposed to be heard the first time. To find out more information about Perfect Organism, the Alien Saga podcast, please go to www.perfectorganism.com If you'd like to support the show, 
please go to www.perfectorganism.com forward slash support. Thank you.